Well, good morning, ladies. Today we are in chapter 13 of the Gospel of Matthew, and it is a big chapter, and it's full of parables, parables about the kingdom of heaven. And up to this point, Jesus has been teaching in the synagogues, and Jewish um, religious leaders wanted nothing to do with Jesus. They publicly rejected him, blasphemed and criticized him. They were suspicious of him, looking for wrong things to charge against him, and they wanted him eliminated. Opposition to Jesus was growing, and they became more and more blinded to God and the truth. Jesus was being watched. Every step he made, every word he spoke, every action he took, the scribes and Pharisees were eager to jump on him, finding fault of any kind just so that he could be accused and charged. Teaching in the synagogue became very difficult for Jesus. Yet, this didn't stop him. He would continue teaching. He would find other places and other ways to deliver his message to the people. Village streets, roads, homes, lakesides, and even boats which is where we are today. One of my favorite spots, we're at the beach. Chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And the next verse tells us that he told them many things in parables. The word parable, it comes from the Greek word parbole, which means to throw alongside something. So in Greek literature, a parable was something thrown alongside something else. So a parable is a comparison of two things. A comparison by using a story that would illustrate a lesson or principle. A parable is a comparison that would get the listener thinking. And as you'll see today, these parables get the listeners thinking deeply. Parables were spoken by Jesus, not read from a manuscript or a scroll, but simply spoken. They would illustrate a certain truth, and Jesus' parables compared the truths of his teachings and the events of everyday life. The truth that Jesus wanted to teach was on the kingdom of heaven. He would compare it to the events of everyday life, events like farming, baking, fishing, things that his listeners would understand and perhaps experience themselves on a day-to-day basis. The kingdom of heaven has been spoken about many times in our Matthew study. It's a kingdom that is ruled by a sovereign God. It's a kingdom whereby God offers to rule in the hearts of those who believe in his name of those who have surrendered their hearts and lives to him. The kingdom of heaven is a kingdom that believers want to build and proclaim about. And we look forward to the day when the Lord will establish his throne and rule and reign over his eternal kingdom. And so we, his believers, make up this kingdom. And Jesus so desires for everyone to be a part of the kingdom He calls and welcomes them if they would only accept the invitation. 
So as we look at chapter 13, we'll hear Jesus teach seven parables about the kingdom of heaven. Some will be spoken to both the crowds and disciples, and some only to the disciples. We will examine these parables to see what exactly is being said about the kingdom of heaven, and as we do, we'll get an understanding of the following. The spreading of the kingdom, the growth of the kingdom, the value of the kingdom, acceptance or rejection of the kingdom, and responsibility in the kingdom. Let me just pray for us as we begin. And I'm just going to adjust, actually, this. Sorry, ladies, on the podcast. There we go. Just needed to adjust the height. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we once again thank you for the opportunity to gather together this morning in this room and for the opportunity and availability to listen online. We pray that as we open up our Bibles and read your word, that you would cause us to have open hearts and minds to hear your voice, to learn and to grow. May you strengthen our faith and help us to have a deeper understanding of your truth. Lord, I thank you for the time that you've given me to study and to help me as I gathered thoughts and words to say. I pray that I would be able to share this clearly and that you would reveal yourself to all of us because we need and desire so much to hear from you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll be looking at and going over each parable, but before we do that, let's just ask one important question. Why parables? What's that all about? When speaking about everyday situations, why not speak in a way that doesn't make you go, huh, like, sorry, like, what, what did you mean by that? In fact, if we look at verse 10, right after Jesus taught the first parable, we see the disciples asking the same question. Why do you speak to them in parables? And this was Jesus's answer. Let's look together at verses 11 to 17. And he answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear. And with their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous, righteous people long to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. Jesus' ministry consisted of teaching, healing, performing wondrous miracles, pouring out his love and compassion, and it attracted many and an astonished many. But those who heard these great teachings and those who witnessed these mighty things, how did they respond? Were they drawn to Christ and his message? 
Did they, did they desire to listen more, follow him, and seek to understand what he was saying and doing? Yes, there were those who saw, heard, understood, and desired more. But there were also those who were just as excited to witness something different and to listen to his amazing teaching. But that was all. They would listen, but they wouldn't hear it. Their hearts were hardened. They would reject Jesus' teachings, and they would reject Jesus. So why parables? Speaking in parables wouldn't be understandable at all by all. But that's the point. Those that reject Jesus and his message will not understand. As it was quoted in verses 14 and 15, it would be a fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy from Isaiah 6, 9 and 10 that parables would conceal the message to those with hard hearts, to those who have no interest and don't wish to see the truth. And so because they do not see and they do not hear, then they do not understand. They would not understand the parables that he spoke. But those like the disciples who have heard with their ears, seen with their eyes, understood with their hearts, they will understand. Their hearts have been changed. The message would be revealed to them and will be clear to them because they are seeking out the truth and want to understand. And what about us? Can we hear, see, understand? Do we want to understand and know more? Are we keeping our eyes on him, reading the word, praying, asking for wisdom? Do we seek to pursue righteousness, desiring and making an effort to walk in his truth? Perhaps you listen to these lessons or podcasts and maybe you just don't exactly understand one or two points. Or after Sunday's sermon, it leaves you kind of confused or perplexed. What do you do? Reach out to another sister, your husband, or even, a pa even the pastor or teacher that taught and say, hey, you know that part about such and such that so-and-so was talking about? What, what did that mean? Can you help me understand? Do we seek out the truth? Do we want to understand? These parables made people think, and it also made it clear whether or not they wanted the gospel to transform their lives. And if we look at verses 34 and 35, Jesus quotes Psalm 78, verse 2, a prophecy in which he fulfills, a prophecy on how Jesus would teach. So let's look at verses 34 and 35. All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. A fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy. In these parables, Jesus was teaching the people about God's kingdom, about things hidden from the creation of the world. This was something new to everyone, a hidden truth that they needed to listen closely to so that they wouldn't miss its meaning. So now let's take a look at these parables. We'll start off with parable number one, the parable of the sower, which is found in verses one to nine, the spreading of the kingdom. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. 
as he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came down came and, de and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Well, lucky for us, and lucky for the disciples, Jesus takes time to explain to them and to us what this parable meant. In verses 18 to 23, after the disciples had questioned Jesus about the reason he used parables, Jesus explains the parable of the sower. So let me read verses 18 to 23. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or per persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. So here we are told that the seed is God's word, the gospel the good news of salvation, that God sent his son, Jesus, into the world to be our savior. And there are four different kinds of soils or hearts that receive the seed, this gospel. There's a path. When the seed falls on that, it's, it's exposed. It can get blown away. Birds can come and snatch them. And so it is with some people. We hear God's word, but we don't embrace it. Satan comes and takes that seed away. We get separated from the truth, not understanding or believing it. There's the rocky ground. The seed falls there, it starts to grow, but it can't take root. God's word is heard and received. We may be enthusiastic about it all, but then something happens in our life. Things get hard, things go wrong, and we fall away. God's word has not taken root in our life. There's the thorns. The seed begins to grow, but before you know it, the weeds and thorns would choke the good plant. God's word is heard, and it begins to take root in our life, but worldly pleasures and wealth start to tug at us. They start to pull us away. Our love for God is not above all anymore, and we begin to get pulled away from our faith. Our focus has become more on worldly pleasures than on God. Then there's the good, rich soil, a farmer's dream, good, dark, rich, healthy soil where seeds can germinate and grow and produce a wonderful crop. Here is a picture of us when we hear God's word 
understand God's word, and then grow in God's word, bearing fruit and living a fruitful life for him. The seed of God's word is the same seed, no matter on what type of soil it falls on. How do you hear God's word? How do you understand it? Is your heart open and your mind willing to receive it? And when you sow these seeds, when you share the gospel with others, pray for their hearts, that the seed would fall on good, dark, rich soil, that they would have the hearts, their hearts open to the gospel message, and that it would take root in their heart, and that they would grow in Christ. Parable number two is the parable of the weeds, and that's found in verses 24 to 30. And make note, as we look at the next six parables, they all start off pretty similar. They're all about what the kingdom of heaven is like. So let's read verses 24 to 30. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed seeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore again, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. So here's another farming theme, a man sowing seeds, good seeds. He's growing wheat, a good, useful grain. Then this um, enemy sneaks in while he's sleeping, and the enemy sowed bad seeds among the good seeds, producing a bad crop of weeds. Farmers would understand that, and they would feel the frustration this would be. There's a serious weed called bearded darnel. It's very similar looking to wheat, but it's not a good crop. It's actually slightly poisonous, and it causes dizziness and would make you feel sick if you digested it. And for, it's for both the farmers, their, their livestock. So it basically was an unwanted weed. But the problem was because it was so similar in appearance to wheat, you couldn't tell it apart. And you couldn't tell which one was the good wheat and which one was the weed. Not until after some time when it grew to a certain size, and, but by then the roots have intertwined. You pull out the weed, you've just damaged the wheat. So you're left with nothing. So you just have to let them both grow until harvest time and then separate them separate the wheat and burn the weeds. And now to figure out what this parable meant. But wait, when Jesus and the disciples were away from the crowds, the disciples asked Jesus to explain this parable because they needed um, help understanding it. So now we can look at verses 36 to 43, and again we get an explanation. So verses 36 to 43. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. 
The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sold them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. So this parable is filled with many comparisons. The field is the world. The one who sows good seeds is the Son of Man, Jesus. The one who sows the bad seeds, the weeds, is the devil. The good seeds are sons or children of the kingdom, those who belong to the kingdom of God, us believers. The bad weeds are sons of the evil ones, those who belong to Satan, unbelievers. And the harvest, it takes place at the end of the age. The harvesters or the reapers are the angels. The good seeds and the bad seeds will grow together. The righteous and the wicked will grow and live together. But in the end, God will weed out the wicked. Those who have rejected him, he will judge them and destroy them. They'll be punished for their sin. This is a picture of judgment and hell. And he will gather the righteous together, and they will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. For those who accepted and acknowledged him, an eternal reward of being in his presence forever. If we think about our lives, we do life together work together, believers and unbelievers, intertwined. We're growing in the same field, doing similar things. We're bearing with one another. We might want to get out, but we need to be patient, just like God is patient with all of us. He is at work in us, and we need to strive to become more rooted in Christ. God, in his time, will judge all. But there's good news. You don't have to be punished for your sins because Jesus paid the price. And as verse 43 says, you can shine like the sun in the kingdom of your father forever, standing there before his throne, if you simply believe and trust him as your savior, submitting your life to him. The next two parables are very short and they're found together. They're called twin parables. They're not identical, but they're similar. And here we see the growth of the kingdom. We'll look, be looking at parable number three, the parable of the mustard seed, and parable number four, the parable of the leaven. Let's look at the mustard seed, verses 31 and 32. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air came and made nest, make nests in its branches. A mustard seed is very tiny. It's one millimeter in diameter, 
And who would think that from this wee, tiny little seed, a mustard bush or tree can reach an average mature height of between six and 20 feet with a 20-foot span, and some trees even reach 30 feet tall. Something big and beautiful and great coming out of something so small. And now this big and beautiful tree becomes a home for many birds that come and rest on it. And so the kingdom of heaven is compared to this mustard seed. Just like the seed starts off tiny small, so did the kingdom of heaven. It started off small in the little village of Bethlehem, Jesus's humble birthplace, when his ministry began. He had a few followers, he endured opposition, yet he went town to town and his ministry grew and grew. More and more followers, and it grew again. More and more nations now becoming a part of this growing kingdom. A great kingdom where many nations, just like the birds, find their home in the tree, many nations will find a home in this kingdom. Now let's look at its twin parable at the 11, verse 33. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. So leaven being a type of yeast, that magic stuff that you mix with flour, water, oil, and slowly it starts to grow and grow. The leaven is hidden in there somewhere, and it's hard to believe that you started off with this small round ball of dough, and slowly it has now grown and expanded so much that it's nearly touching the rim of the bowl. Something big and overflowing coming out of something small and hidden. And so the kingdom of heaven is also compared to leaven. Just like the hidden leaven that slowly made the dough rise and grow and grow, so the kingdom of heaven will start off small and hidden, but it simply grows. It grows and grows all across our world. Yes, God's kingdom starts small and grows slowly, but it will grow surprisingly large, spreading through the whole world. And we, being children of God, we can take part in helping to share and spread the good, good news of the gospel, reaching out to the nations, our friends, our neighbors, praying and working together to help make the kingdom grow. This takes us now to the next set of twin parables where we will learn about the value of the kingdom. The crowds had already left and the disciples went into the house where Jesus was. And so Jesus tells them these two parables, parable number five, the parable of the hidden treasure, and parable number six, the parable of the pearl of great value, verses 44 to 46. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. So these people stumble across and find a hidden treasure, and after searching, they find a fine pearl. What do they do? Well, they first realize what they found, a treasure, a pearl. These things were of great value. The next thing they do is they go and they sell all that they had just to get those things, those precious finds. 
Not some or most of what they have, they sell all that they have joyfully and gladly. The kingdom of heaven is like what just happened in these two little parables. The kingdom of heaven is of great value. It's a precious find. It's worth more than all we have. We find it, we desire it, we joyfully give up everything just to have it. Worldly pleasures tempt us every day. Do we love the things of the world so much that we don't want to give them up? How much are they worth to us? Worth more than Jesus? Worth more than his kingdom? It was Jesus who died for you and me so that we can enter into God's kingdom. Nothing compares. Nothing is worth more. Nothing is more important than the kingdom of God. Nothing has greater value than the kingdom of God. And now this brings us to the final parable, acceptance or rejection of the kingdom. Parable number seven, the parable of the net, and that's found in verses 47 to 50. Let's look at that. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Again, simply a short parable, including now fishing, something the disciples definitely knew a lot about. Basically, the fishermen would cast them out the net, and not until it was full, full of every kind of fish, they would then bring it in and start separating the good fish from the bad fish. More than likely, some fish were just not good enough to eat or to be sold at markets, so they would discard those. And Jesus then explains that the kingdom of heaven is like this, that not until the end of the age, angels will come and separate the righteous from the wicked, the good fish from the bad fish. Every kind of fish separated good from bad. Every person from every nation separated righteous from wicked. God's judgment of the whole earth. Our God is a just God. Jesus will return and the day of judgment is coming. The righteous will be destined for eternal glory, but the wicked will be thrown into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Eternal punishment, torment, eternal pain, a very serious and severe punishment for sin for those who reject Jesus. We have a choice. We can continue to live in our sin, rejecting him, living for ourselves, for the evil one, or we can come to Jesus, acknowledge and accept him, live for him, for the one who died for us. The kingdom of heaven is open to all and salvation is open to all. And so there are the seven parables. And after teaching them, Jesus makes sure that the disciples understood because he wants to see if they're ready now to go and to teach others a huge responsibility. And so here now we see the responsibility in the kingdom. Verse 51, have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes, yes, they say we understand. 
So Jesus then now gives them one more comparison, and we see that in verse 52. And he said to them, Therefore every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. These disciples now trained for the kingdom of heaven are now like scribes, scribes who were biblical scholars, ones who studied and were trained to interpret the law. But their responsibility is to be like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. The disciples are now responsible to go out and teach others what is new and what is old. Not only the new truths about Jesus, his plan of salvation, his kingdom, but the old truths from the past, from the old scriptures. They are to show others how Jesus was prophesied about in the old scriptures and how he was a fulfillment to them. Remember what back in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. The Old Testament and the New Testament are both important, true, and valuable. Our responsibility is to see, know, and understand these truths and how valuable they are. Knowing the old truths that point us to the coming Messiah, to the coming Savior, and knowing the new truths that teach us more about the saving work of Christ. And now it was time to move on. Jesus goes to Nazareth, his hometown, the place where he grew up as a boy. But what happens there in the synagogue is heartbreaking. Let's read verses 53 to the end. And when Jesus had finished these parables, he went away from there, and coming to his hometown, he taught them in their synagogue. And they were astonished and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not all his sisters with us? Where did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not with honor except in his hometown and in his own household. And he did not do mighty works there because of their unbelief. A few weeks ago, Heather was sharing how she longs to go back to her hometown in Manitoba to see her family and friends that she hadn't been seen for a long time. And I know that there's another number of ladies that have that same longing to go and visit the places where they grew up and where they made lifelong memories. How terrible it would be to come home, per se, and get a reception like this. But people were astonished and amazed at Jesus' teaching. But he's just one of them. He was a carpenter's son. He's nobody special, so they thought and said. In John 1, 10 to 12, we read, He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who, would, who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. They didn't believe him. They rejected him. They were offended by him. Because of their lack of faith, their unbelief, 
they not only missed out in the work of his miraculous powers, but they also missed out on knowing him for who he really was, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. They missed out on becoming children of God. Who has ears, let him hear. The kingdom of heaven, a kingdom ruled by King Jesus, a powerful kingdom that grows. It started out small like a seed, yet it is scattered and filled the whole earth, being made known to all nations. Do you have ears to hear and eyes to see and a heart to understand? Do you embrace Christ, the cross, his love, your salvation, or does he just offend you? Are you interested in his teaching, eager to study and understand more about his truth? As believers, we are to take this truth, take it and plant it in good soil, plant it in the lives of others, water the seed, nurture it, watch it grow. Jesus is our greatest treasure, but sadly there will be those who will not believe, who will doubt, who will reject Christ. Evil is in this world and men's hearts will be hardened. Jesus is coming again, and one day we will all stand before the throne of judgment. Those who have rejected him will have eternal punishment. But praise God that we have a Savior who loves us, who died for us, who restores us from our sin. Praise God that we have a hope that will last forever, an inheritance in heaven that will never be taken away. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for taking us through these parables today and helping us understand them, helping us understand what the kingdom of heaven is like. May we desire to be that, like that seed planted in good, rich soil. May we desire to not only hear your word, but we pray that you would fill us with the knowledge of your wisdom and understanding. May we have the desire to grow and be faithful followers of yours, bearing good fruit and living a life worthy and pleasing to you. Lord, we thank you for the treasure that we have found in you and pray that we may boldly and joyfully share it with others. We thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus and thank you that he rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of your beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We praise God that we have a hope that will last forever, an inheritance in heaven that will never be taken away. And we pray these things in Christ's mighty name. Amen. Um, next week, Jenna will be leading us through Matthew 14, and I asked her to just give us a short summary of what we're to look forward to. And she said, we will see a spectrum of responses to Jesus. And as we heard Jesus' teachings today about the different types of soil, we'll see in chapter 14 tangible examples of them. A pivotal chapter full of family drama and epic miracles climaxing with the worship of Jesus as the Son of God. So let's all be in prayer for Jenna as she studies and prepares to teach next week, and for all of us as we prepare to hear and receive it.